future. I'm Yanni Yeti from IntroVUIA, and today, today we're talking about the really the E in DEI and B, uh, because it's something that we are heavily focused on at IntroVUIA, and it's something that our guest talks about quite a bit. And so, first of all, Glenn Newman is Glenn Newman Jr. What do you like? <laughs> oh yeah, I just typically go by Glenn. Like I like my Glenn. junior because I feel like I like the junior because it's very um, it. Like I'm the only Glenn Edward Newman Jr. out there, right? Totally. So I don't I'm not I'm not technically a junior, but I also don't like going by Trey. So I'm like, just call me. Yeah. Yeah, no, every just every day I'm Glenn. Okay, I love it. I love it. Glenn, <laughs> welcome. Glenn is head of talent and inclusion, diversity, equity, and belonging at user testing. So first of all, welcome. And for, well, how are you? How's it going? I'm doing well. Thank you, UV. I'm doing well. Uh, like I was saying, you know, a bit earlier, it's Friday. I'm typically in uh, a, a better mood on Friday, looking forward to the weekend, being thankful uh, that I made it to Friday and, and had a pretty productive week. So uh, I'm doing yeah. well. Thank you. Awesome. Awesome. Well, we're, we're happy to have this conversation um, about all of this stuff. So first of all, let's, let, I want to know more about you, your background, and, and tell us about user testing. Yeah, so um, I started with user testing in October uh, of last year. Uh, user testing, uh, we like to say that we're uh, a human uh, empathy kind of like platform, right? And so sure. we have we have a platform that really provides our customers with the ability to really understand their customer experiences, right? And in order to understand your customer experiences or through understanding that customer experience, you are building empathy. And so, for example, if you want to understand what it's like to be one of your um, one of your customers, you can leverage our platform uh, to really do that and to really see and hear them interacting with your product um, and really uh, see what their experience is like. And so the really great thing is like, you know, we're going to, I, I, like, I love our products. I think we have so many, um, we have so much opportunity, right? And especially as you think about the work that I do from like an HR or a DEI perspective, um, we're also trying to, to really make sure that we're working with other stakeholders outside of the traditional uh, user research or user uh, experience space, right? Mm -hmm. So for example, if you are in advertising and you want to understand how an ad resonates with a specific audience or with a target audience, you can use our platform to do that. If you are leading culture or people experience or you know, HR at an organization and you wanna understand what different, different employees uh, experience on a day-to-day, -day, you can use our, our platform to do that. And it's so much different than a survey because you literally, like in the same way that you can see me and hear me now, you see my facial expressions, you hear my intonation, you know, like that is so much more powerful than reading, um, you know, kind of feedback, right? Um, they're sure. reading written feedback. So um, that's really the power of, of the feedback and of, of the platform and the value that we bring to our customers. I love that. And um, we'll have to talk offline about that for us. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, you're right. That's like a big part of, Definitely. Of, of hearing. And it's sort of a nice segue into the next part of the conversation. But it, it's, it's a, it seems like it's a great way to hear equally from everybody uh, who's involved around the orbit of your organization or your product, right? Yeah, absolutely, right? And it's really interesting that you say that because, you know, there, there's a lot of conversation uh, these days around like inclusive product design, right? Sure. Think about like who who is... Uh, the audience that you're developing or designing products for. And then going back to the um, kind of the employee experience perspective, 
you know, every employee, you can have a team of 10 people and they all want different things, right? So how do you really mm-hmm. make yeah. sure, how are you making sure that you understand what different uh, employee groups or different employees uh, want from you? And uh, especially now that is really important. Well, I think even a better segue into, into <laughs> equity versus equality. So how do you define the two and how do you compare the two in, in the work that you're doing and mm-hmm you know, and the trainings and things, like, how do you explain it to people? Yeah, absolutely. Like, typically what I say is, you know, equity is uh, leveling the playing field, um, understanding that we all don't uh, come from the same place or have the same starting, uh, have the same starting point, which really uh, means that, you know, we have different levels of access and privilege, right? And so equity work is about leveling the playing field, taking all of that into account and giving people what they need to be Uh, successful, meeting people where they are. Um, And then equality is everyone gets the same thing, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, So, you know, we have this training that we um, are rolling out or we have rolled out for all of our managers. uh, And part of that training, we talk about the difference between equity and equality because people often get them confused. And so there's this really good video on YouTube. You you, you probably can all find it. It is, um, I think, equity versus equality. And it's about a four minute video. And what it really does is it uses, you know, kind of everyday, everyday, um, I like to say everyday, like figurative language to help uh, convey the message. And so like one of the, one of the images um, is just around, um, like, think about a bicycle, right? So I am 6'2". So the bicycle that you design or develop for me is going to be different than the the bicycle that my five-year-old niece, who, I mean, maybe she's four feet tall at this point. Um, (laughs) Maybe she's three feet. Maybe she's three feet tall. I have no idea. Right, right, right. Um, The the point is, like, the bicycle that that you designed for her is very different from the bicycle that you designed for me. Now, let's add in an additional layer. Let's just say my five-year-old niece had a physical disability, then that bike would definitely be different, right? And so, you know, equality says everyone gets the same bike. <laughs> um, equity sure. says you design the bike for to fit the needs of the specific person, right? And so, Absolutely. yeah, so I like, a, it's interesting, like doing this work, I often speak in in, in kind of stories, analogies, figurative language, uh, because I think it's easier for people to grasp um, the, the concepts when you're talking about things like riding a bike versus really hairy, scary things like systemic uh, inequity and, sure. and like privilege. No, and I think, yeah, I mean, that's, you know, it's, that's the thing, right? It, it sort of gets off topic a little bit, but I think that everybody's trying to learn, you know, I think mm-hmm. ever since George Floyd's murder and, and because of the, everything that COVID exposed in terms of what people have access to and what certain communities don't have access to that others should, you know, that it, it's, it fits into this conversation and the other thing is, too, I don't think those, they don't have to live, equity and equality don't have to be separate, right? Like, to your point, you both have different bikes, but you, but you live in a world where the same laws are there to protect you both equally on the road when you're riding right. your bikes, you know? Exactly. And, it's, and, and so that, I think that's, a, it, it's important to have this discussion because there is a spotlight on it. Companies are sort of, at this point now where they have a choice to make, you know, Absolutely. we're mid pandemic post George Floyd, like how do we as a company thread equity and equality throughout the life cycle of every one of our employees starting at the candidate level. Right. And yeah. so in your, in your, in your opinion, from your perspective and thought leadership, like how does that work? What's how do companies do that? 
Yeah, I think it starts um, by having the conversation we're just having. So like leveling, uh, not necessarily leveling the playing field first, but making sure level setting around what is equity, right? And helping yeah. people then like, let's start by defining this word, right? And making sure everyone is on the same page around what it means. And then let's look at our people processes and lo let's look at the employee journey and think about where we have opportunities to be equitable, right? And so, you know, let, let's take um, in interviews, right? You know, like there are some people who interview very well, right? They interview very well because they've done right. it. They interview very well because they've had a lot of prep. You know, like I went to Emory. They did an amazing job. Our career services, you know, offices, coaches, resources. Um, we, we had a, you know, I had access to a ton of resources to really help ensure that I was prepared. Mm -hmm. not, not, every, not everyone has that, right? And so I think, you know, taking it from like a talent acquisition perspective, it's, you know, how do we, we're, we're always thinking about, um, I'm speaking to and interviewing this candidate to see if uh, they can do the work, right? So, you right. know, of course, it, we want to make sure that we have structured interviews and things like that. And, you know, there are going to be candidates who interview better, and I'm using air quotes. <laughs> sure. than others. Well, let's understand, I think, you know, the equity piece is understanding why some people interview better than others, right? Okay. Uh and, and then I'm again, better in air quotes <laughs> than others. And then, yeah. you know, because someone didn't interview like, well, does it mean that they can't do the job? Does it mean that they don't have the qualifications or does it mean that they haven't really been prepared to articulate the work that they've done in the past and their qualifications for the role? And I think it becomes really challenging, right? I'm not saying that equity work is easy. It's, it's very difficult actually. However, I just think, you know, when you have that understanding, you start to ask yourself as a hiring manager or as an interviewer or a hiring team, you start to ask yourself uh, those questions. Absolutely. Well, and I think, I think that's where structure helps, right? Because it, it, the, it's funny because structured interviews have been proven in research and other ways since the 40s, 1940s, right. to be better <laughs> at making better hiring decisions. However, we get in our own way, right? Mm -hmm. Because we think we're better at evaluating each other when in <laughs> right. reality, we are not. Yeah, there's gems out there and people who, you know, they've interviewed for the same position a thousand times or they've interviewed a thousand candidates and you know, they have a pretty good idea, putting their finger in the wind, of, of, right. you know, more often making a good decision. But at the end of the day, it's like you can't effectively look at every candidate equally uh, and understand their equity position, to your point, in the candidate experience, right? Like, you right. don't, we don't, we don't know enough about where they're coming from can they even jump on a Zoom meeting for a remote right, interview? Because right. they don't, they have internet or they don't. Yeah. And, but, and we tend to, to mark against them because of that. Right. Even though it has nothing to do with the job. Exactly, right? Because we're operating under the assumption that everyone has, you know, equal access to, yes. to your point, internet, to a quiet place to take the call, to a quiet, you know, to those yeah. types of things, to the interview prep or the resources, right? Um, and so, like, you know, like history and research tells us that these things are like are compounded like over time, right? Um, yeah. in, in everything from, you know, I live in Atlanta and you know, there's a history of redlining here, like in many other um, parts of the US, right? Yeah. And so when you think about the impact that that has on someone's future, you know, I, you, you may live and so, you know, take two students, one lives in an area of the city where the prop where the property taxes are lower, 
Well, that means that the school is getting, that the public schools um, that this person or child is going to is getting less funding. As a result, maybe there are more students in the classroom. As a result of that, maybe they get less one-on-one time or coaching or tutoring from the teacher. As a result, you know, like that has like compounding, um, you know, uh, uh, impacts. And then, you know, despite all of those, like in spite of you know, these two students, one who lived in the higher property tax, you know, neighborhood and the other, they both go to Emory, right? Well, you know, one was more prepared because they had access. They had that, um, you know, they had those resources um, that um, just because of where they lived, you know, they had more resources, their high school or middle school had more resources than the other, right? And then one student struggling because they weren't as well prepared. Well, they weren't as well prepared because of something, of anything that they did. They may have studied the same, you know, heck, the, yeah. the one student may have studied less than the other student. Right. So, um, it's just like, it's just really interesting for, um, it's it's interesting and it's really important for people to really dig, dig into uh, some of the some of these systemic inequities, so that they understand um, really why equity work is important. Because when you really understand and you get it, then it's like, okay, you know, let me, for example, let me provide a resource to our black community that we are not providing to our um, to to our non black community, and yep. this is why we're doing that, right? Yep. And so, you know, people still people still struggle with that. Well, and, and and companies, you know, when we think about companies, it, you know, it, it it would benefit them to address that struggle and fix it because now you've got all these employees, and they're essentially the 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 reason your company is or is not going to be successful. Mm-hmm. So why wouldn't you do the work, the equity work? to understand how you help each individual employee bring their best self to work and perform at 100% right. every day. Yeah. And so how do, you, how do you approach that, right? So now we've done the hiring, we've got this team, but everybody's different. H- how do you address that kind of equity work within the organization? Yeah, I, I guess I can think about it like two things. It's really interesting. I, um, I was watching this LinkedIn learning um, and it was on like inclusion, diversity, equity, and belonging. And um, they talked about the platinum rule, right? So a lot of us are familiar with the golden rule, which says treat others how you want to be treated. The platinum rule says treat others how they want to be treated, yeah, right? I and so uh, I love that too. It's something I'll never forget. And I think what that means is in terms of, you know, and, and maybe this is like less, less equity, but for me personally, what it means is, you know, I have six direct reports. What that means is I cannot treat them all how I want to be treated and I can't treat them all the same. And when I say treat yeah. them all the same, that means I can't say, okay, in order to develop my team, um, everybody gets, you know, $1,500 to attend a conference because person one may not want to be developed in that way yeah. or for development for them may mean they want to lead a webinar that they haven't led before. So how do I prepare them for that? Um, person two might want to attend uh, an online, like a training, right? Or an in-person training. Yeah. Person three may want a stretch assignment, right? And so, you know, that's really understanding. It, it's really me understanding what the team wants and what they need, going back to the equity, understanding, giving people what they need to be successful, um, understanding that, right? And then I think yeah. from an overall approach, it's, you know, really, I think companies can start at least high level from understanding kind of the, the similarities um, and not similarities is not the right word. I think companies can start by understanding how historically excluded groups have been excluded and what they have been excluded from, what haven't sure. 
they been given? What haven't they been provided? What access or privilege don't they have? And starting from there, right? Yeah, and in yeah. that way, you're kind of like for, again, like I go back to like certain groups. Like if we know that, um, you know, Black women are severely underpaid as a group, uh, then why don't we start by investing and making sure that um, Black women in our organization are fairly compensated, right? Yeah. And that's just like companies in general, right? So it's like right. starting from the places where you know um, and you have data, and then you can, you know, once you kind of look at the group level, then you can look at individuals. So I think that's one of the things that you can think about. Like maybe maybe a company doesn't have, um, you know, enough funds to like start a program or manage a program for every employee. So let's mm-hmm. look at the group that needs it most and look at the group that that is kind of the most uh, underprivileged or that has the least access. Um, and, you know, think about investing in that group, for example. And I think, again, that is mm-hmm. the work because equity work says not everyone gets the same thing um, right. because they don't need it. And I'll give you a quick example. It's interesting. In the training we had earlier this week, someone made a comment around uh, them being short uh, so that they so they wouldn't be able to see over the fence. So you, if you think about the classic, sure. the classic equity versus equality, people are standing on the boxes trying to see over the fence to see the baseball game, right? Yeah. And so um, someone made a comment and said, I wouldn't be able to see over the, um, over the fence. And I said, um, you can have my box. Again, I'm 6'2". Like, let's just assume that, the, the, that I could see over the, the fence without standing on the box. I said, you can have my box. Literally, that's what equity work is. Like, yep, it's yep. You're extending the privilege that some groups have or, or the resources to those who don't have it. So I don't have a box, but I don't need a box because I can already see over the fence. Well, and what I love about that, so, and, and so, and you mentioned, you know, kind of the data gathering, data, data gathering to get to that point, right? To know to give somebody your box. Um, I, I think an, an easy way to address that is again, going back to the hiring process, the interview process, mm-hmm. like you can ask the question of, let's say your final uh, three or five candidates, you know, what do you need to succeed here? I think that's a fair mm-hmm. question to ask to start gathering some of that data right. uh, and to, to help to help guide the equity work. You know, because then then you have data to work from. Like, okay, I know we've hired this person. Here's exactly what they told me. What are the trend lines? Because we've asked, you know, 80 candidates this across seven jobs or whatever in our company. We're starting to see some trends. Now we can start to plan for, you know, budget-wise, for some of these things that we know we're going to need. So it can be, I think it can be very simple and straightforward as far as getting started. Yeah, absolutely. That's really interesting you mentioned that. I never thought about it that way in terms of like, you know, a question like, you know, talk to me about the resources you think you need to be successful in this role, right? Right. Yeah. How do you bring your best self to work? I want to know, right? Because I need need to know. Other, And again, it kind of ties back to the bottom line. Mm -hmm. You know, if you don't have the right people in, in a role, then if you're in healthcare, your quality of care declines. Right any product company, your quality of product, back to your point earlier about product and designing products. Like if we don't have the right people building the products, we're not gonna have a good product. Right, yeah. <laughs> you know, or the quality of service kind of speaks for itself. If I don't have good people in, in, at my store, then we're gonna have really bad customer experience. Absolutely, yep, absolutely. So it all ties together, but, oh man, I, I love this conversation. It just, it puts <laughs> a fine point on, on, you know, for me anyway, kind of that 
equity, equitable, or equity equality difference mm -hmm. and how they can work together. So to kind of close out, like what's what's your thought on the future of work? You know, post George Floyd, mid-pandemic, work from mm -hmm. home, remote, for all of that stuff. What what does it look like to you? Yeah, I think honestly the first word that comes to mind is flexibility. Yeah. Um yeah, flexibility. I think, you know, leaders, managers, um, I think it's going to be important that we're providing people with flexibility. Uh, I think I will also go back to my my platinum rule, treat people how they want to be treated. I think yeah. it's important to have very transparent conversations around what people need, right, during these times. I Absolutely. am extremely, I'm extremely blessed and extremely fortunate to live alone. It is so quiet in my house right now. You can literally, <laughs> you can hear a pin drop. And I have to understand that not everybody is like that. Like, I don't have things or people or like anything that really would take away my focus uh, from, from work on a day-to-day -day basis, right? And um, it's extremely, again, important that I understand that. And, and for, for me to understand that as I'm thinking about leading my team, for me to um, think about how I show up um, while leading my team. And so um, I think having those conversations, understanding what people need and, and being flexible uh, is important. And then, the, you know, like to, to really like to bring it full circle and thread the needle. Um, it's like you can have someone on your team who was performing like immaculately pre-pandemic and then and now their performance has declined. And so you have to ask yourself why what has really contributed to that 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 decline in performance if there is. Absolutely. And so I think, um, yeah, it's it's meeting people where they are, right? And giving yeah. them what they need. And so I think definitely flexibility and definitely transparent conversations and managing expectations and understanding that performance as it yeah. was defined, you know, again, pre-pandemic is certainly not gonna be the same. Um, and I think it's really unrealistic to expect performance to be the same. Yeah, no, that's great, I love it. Great way to end the conversation. Glenn, thank you, man. It was so, uh, it was great to have you on here. It was a great conversation, thank you. Absolutely. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Absolutely. And thank you, everybody, for continuing to tune in to Higher Future. We will check in. Take care.